Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 3. I'd like to speak to you this morning about soldiers who please Jesus. Soldiers who please Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this new day. We thank you, Lord, for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the beautiful weather you've given us, and we enjoy that, and I know it comes from you. I thank you, Lord, for the significance of this Sunday, that we remember those who've served or who are serving. And we thank you, Lord, for our military, our, those in the armed forces of the United States of America. We thank you for the contributions they have made through, through, to our lives and to, for this country. And we ask, Lord, today that you would help us to understand that if we're Christians, we're soldiers of Jesus. And I pray that we might be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus. Bless as I share this message today and have your will in everything. And may someone who hasn't trusted Christ come to know you as their Savior today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We honor our vets today, those who have, have served in the past, and we honor those who are serving today. My wife and I have a grandson and a granddaughter who are serving in the military today, and uh, one of them being Jonah, who's in uh, Qatar right now, and uh, Katie, who is in basic training uh, for the Marines. Uh, all those service personnel today, and especially those in the past, have given a lot uh, for our country, and we don't take for granted what they've given to us. Our vets have given themselves, and because of that, we remain free and safe in this dangerous world. We do live in a dangerous world. Since Adam and Eve's original sin, there have been conflicts caused by sin which have resulted in war. The conflicts that are in our country or other around the world today are caused by sin, and the same has been true all along. It all began back in the Garden of Eden where there was a war between uh, God and, and uh, the devil as he influenced God's new creation, Adam and Eve. And so then there became a war between God and Adam and Eve because uh, they had to decide which side they were going to be on and what they were going to do, and they chose to rebel against God. Then that continued when Cain, their first son, first son killed Abel, the youngest son. And he actually murdered him, and that's soon after creation. And then the earth, after many years later, was filled with violence, and it was so bad that God had to destroy the earth. And the Bible says he did it with a universal flood. I believe that literally, that the flood covered every mountain in this, in this, uh, on this earth and that uh, it covered everything and everybody was killed except eight people, and that is um, Noah and his family. There were, there were wars then continued on, and the Bible says that there were wars between groups of kings, and Genesis chapter 14 is actually the first mention of war. And it says in Genesis 14, verse 2, 
And these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah. And so it talks about war. That's the first mention of war in, in the Bible. Uh, the Bible also says that, uh, that, or the Bible also mentions war several times. The word war is mentioned 220 times. Warfare is mentioned five times. And battle is mentioned 170 times. The last event of the tribulation period will be a war. And that is the war of Armageddon. And the Bible says that the Antichrist will gather all the forces and says of the nations and their armies gather together against Jerusalem. And I think, first of all, it was against Israel, but then it turns out to be against God. And so, and of course, God wins that battle. Then the last event, last war is going to be at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. There'll be a thousand year reign of Christ on this earth where Jesus Christ will rule and reign in righteousness and he'll make sure everything, uh, outwardly, at least people conform. And then at the end of that, the devil is loosed because he's been bound for a thousand years, and he's loosed for a little season, and he gathers people together as the sand on the seashore for multitude, and they go to war against God. That's the final war. And so, of course, God wins that battle as well. Because there are conflicts, battles, and wars, soldiers are needed. In the Bible, they're referred to in various ways. We find in the Bible soldiers mentioned, used, uh, referred to as by using the word soldiers and then also men of valor and men of war and armies and fighting men and band of men and people of war. And so soldiers are mentioned in the, by those terms 244 times. In our nation's history, we have had men and women uh, serving as military personnel in the Army and the Navy and the Marines Air, Air Force, Coast Guard, National Guard, all of those have sacrificed in many ways for us, and many have suffered the loss of arms and legs and, and uh, hearing and uh, uh, all kinds of things, uh, sight, and then uh, disfigurations uh, so that they are not uh, uh, presentable as other people are, and they're left with that scar and then the emotional well-being, many have lost emotional well-being because of that, and then many have paid that ultimate price, and they've lost their lives. Yes, our nation stands today on the sacrifice of these brave men and women, and today on this Veterans Appreciation Sunday, we would like to say to you who are here, thank you, and to those who might be listening uh, by sermon audio, uh, thank you for your service. All the warfare in the Bible and all warfare today, it has the same root. And that root is that age-old conflict between God and Satan, between, e between good and between evil. God wars against his enemies who are headed up by Satan, and Satan wars against God. So we find in the Bible in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, that, G that God is called it says this, the Lord is a man of war. So God is a man of war. Isaiah 14, verse 13 to 14 says, Satan said this, expressing his desire to be at war with God. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. In the Old Testament, Israel fought against other nations who followed Satan. Also, we find that God's people, Israel, fought against each other. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 14, following the, uh, the division of the kingdom, you remember Solomon's son, uh, Rehoboam, 
uh, caused a, a division of the kingdom between he and Jeroboam. And it says this, and there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. The Bible tells us that in the spirit world, the good angels are at war with the bad angels. It's, we see that in the book of Daniel. And it says in Daniel that an angel said this, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So he was an evil angel. He withstood the good angel. And it says, but lo, Michael came to help me. Michael, the archangel, came to help. And so there's war in the heavens between the angels. In Revelation chapter 12, we speak of, it speaks of a future war. It says this, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, that's the devil, and the dragon fought and his angels. So there's war between, in the spiritual forces between good angels and bad angels. To get, today, God's people in the church, sadly, to, sad to say, sometimes are at war with each other. I don't know if any of you have ever been a part of that in a local church. Thankfully, we haven't experienced that here when I've been here, and that is actual war in the church. But it does happen in churches, and it's a very sad thing. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 12, there, um, verse 2, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And he's talking to God's people. That's a sad thing for Christians to fight and war, but God says that happens. In our getaway with my siblings uh, not long ago, uh, Evelyn and the, and the ladies were shopping, and I, I shopped a little bit, and then I was sitting on a bench outside of a... a a, uh, a shop there, and a man came up and was talking to him, and I was going to witness to him, and so I gave him a track, found out he was a Christian, and then he left, and another fellow came up and sat down, and uh, we started talking, found out he was a deacon of a Baptist church, and he told me that a, of a war that they went through in their church, that the pastor had uh, confiscated the funds and run off, and it was a mess, and he said the, the, the law got involved with it. What a sad thing to hear. But sometimes that happens, and it's very sad to see. Satan is behind all of this. And we must, must remember that, that uh, war, the real war is between God and Satan, not between man and man. It's really between God and Satan. We as believers are soldiers in this war. Now, we might not like the idea that we're soldiers, but if you know Jesus Christ, you're a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Satan brings the fight to us in various ways, from various realms. And I believe the Bible would say that the realm of that fight is in three realms, and that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Bible says the world, in Galatians 1, verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. John 15, verse 19, you're not of the world, the world hateth you. So there's a conflict between the Christian and the world. 1 John 5, 19, the world lieth in wickedness. Of course, we're to be righteous, we're to be holy. And so there's a conflict between righteousness and wickedness, and the world lies in wickedness. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world pour you into its mold. So the world is in conflict with the Christian, trying to make us like them. And God says, don't, don't give in to that. Be not conformed to this world. In John, 1 John 2, verse 15, it says, love not the world. So the world, we're in, we're in opposition to the world. 
We're also in opposition to the flesh. That means our sinful nature. Now, I don't want anybody to tell me how that goes on in your life, and I won't tell you how it goes on in my life. But all of us know that we have conflicts inside with our flesh. And so uh, that's a war we fight, and that's a realm of, of uh, that's one of the realms from which we fight our battles. Uh, it's our sin nature. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, Walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells the Christian. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, le- for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. So our sin nature is in battle with the, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, that new nature that God gives us. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And Paul wrote that, the great apostle, and he says, In my flesh dwells no good thing. So there's a struggle there. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, Paul said. The great apostle Paul had to fight with his flesh, keep under his body and bring it into subjection. We're soldiers, and we're fighting that war on that front, the flesh. And then there's another front, and that's the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. That's Satan, of course. And 1, Corinthians, or 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil's after you. You might say, well, I've been saved a long time, you know. I don't have to worry about the devil anymore. No, you can't, never can say that. He would love to get a person who's been saved for 50 years to mess up and ruin their testimony. Wow, what a trophy that would be for the devil. So he's out to get us, and he's our adversary. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the devil's out to get you. But God's soldiers do not need to be afraid of the fight. We do not need to be concerned about who will win the fight. We know this, that the Lord is the winner, and we're on the winning side. We are, we, we are assured of victory because God says he is the victory. We're assured of victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. We don't have to be afraid that we're going to fall if we'll trust the Lord. We can stand true, and we can win on all those fronts. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's the text we read as we began. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We can win the battle on all those fronts. The world is no match for God. The Bible says in John 16, verse 33, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So our commander-in-chief, the one who chose us to be a soldier, he says, I've overcome the world. You don't have to give in to the world. They are defeated. It is a defeated foe. 1 John 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that's in you, that's the Holy Spirit who lives in us, God lives in us, than he that's in the world. So you don't have to fall to the world because the Lord is greater. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we don't need to cower to the world. Also, we don't need to cower to the flesh. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can have victory over the flesh. You walk in the Spirit, you yield to the Spirit, do what God tells you to do, and you'll not fall to, to, the, to the flesh. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, make no provision for the flesh. So don't make any provision for the flesh. God will give you victory. Just obey him. And 1 Peter 2, 11 says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Your fleshly lusts are warring against your soul. And the Lord says, abstain from those fleshly lusts. Say no to those things. Trust the Lord, and he'll give you victory. Also, the devil's no match. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the devil's no match to the Lord as well. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Whom resists steadfast in the faith? The devil's out to get you, but you resist steadfast in the faith. James 4 verse 7, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you say, the devil's really after me. Well, he might be after you, but he doesn't have to win. All you have to do is resist the devil and he will flee from you because he's afraid of the Lord. 1 John 4, verse 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you don't have to flee the devil or you don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to fall. You don't have to fall. You can be victorious. Every Christian is a soldier of Jesus Christ and we can be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you might be a mediocre soldier of Jesus Christ. And it's possible you could be a bad soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, there are Christians, they're really soldiers, but there's good, there's mediocre, and there's bad. But you might also be a soldier that's A-W-O-L. What's that? Absent without leave. (laughs) And some Christians have sort of walked off the the battlefield, so to speak, and they've been stopping their resistance and all that, and they're giving in to all these things, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they're overcome by that, and they're absent without leave, but they're still soldiers. They're still soldiers, if they're truly saved. As long as you're alive, you will be a soldier of Jesus Christ. As long as you're alive, there's no such thing as a discharged soldier. God doesn't say, all right, I'm putting you out of my service. You're no longer my soldier. No, if he decides to do that, he'll take you home (laughs) because you don't need to fight up in heaven. But as long as you're here, you're not discharged. You're to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. There's also no retired soldiers. You know, there are retired people. There's veterans. (laughs) But, you know, in the the fight with the Lord Jesus, there are no retired soldiers. You might be 99 years old and you, try, and you know Jesus as your Savior. You're still supposed to fight. You're still supposed to stand strong. You're still supposed to be what Jesus wants you to be. You're not retired. And really, there are no vets. So none of you are vets in the Lord's service. You can't say, well, I used to serve the Lord, but now I'm a veteran. No, you're not. <laughs> you're still an active duty soldier. The only vets are in heaven. <laughs> Spiritual vets, you know, they're in heaven. They're not fighting the battle anymore. They're in heaven. They're with the Lord. They have, there's no sin up there. There's no battle to fight. But on this earth, there are no vets in God's service. And you're a soldier of Jesus Christ. We are all active duty soldiers if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Therefore, it should be our desire to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It should be our desire to be a soldier who pleases the Lord. So let's consider this morning four things about a soldier who pleases Jesus. I know that's a long introduction, 
But here are the four things I'd like to share with you about a soldier who pleases Jesus. And that is the, the groundwork of a soldier who pleases Jesus. The groundwork. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus was dealing with Nicodemus. He was a religious person, but he wasn't saved. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Except you be born again, a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, all military branches require basic training or boot camp. As I've said before, our granddaughter Katie is in boot camp, basic training for the Marines right now. During boot camp, the enlistments are humbled, they're brought into subjection, and they're, then they're built up to be the person that the branch of servants wants them to be. They will remove your outward attempts to, to make yourself look good or look different. If you go into the military and you go to basic training, one of the first things they'll do is give you a haircut. Especially if you've got that long hair, you know, they'll shave it all off. You've got jewelry hanging all over you. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to take it off. Well, what do those things do? Those sort of things sort of set us apart from other people. We like to look different. We look, like to look unique. We like to be accepted or whatever it might be. Another thing that a lot of people do to set themselves apart from other people is, is clothing. You know, we'll buy special clothing, and somebody needs to know what the brand name is. My kids... Our kids, when they grew up, they never were concerned about brand names because uh, we were just glad that they had some good clothes. <laughs> and sometimes my wife had to make them. But uh, the brand names was not the thing. But today, you know, you have to write, have that particular brand. Why is that? So you'll be accepted by your peers and all that. Uh, none of that in the military. Guess what they do when, they, uh, when you check in? They take away all those clothes you had. And they give you clothes that looks like everybody else. You're all on the same plane. <laughs> you look like everybody else. So they're just taking those distinctions away for you. If, you. if you enter into the service with a chip on your shoulder, guess what they're going to do? They're going to knock that chip off. They'll work hard until they get that chip knocked off, off of you. If you're spoiled by your parents and you got everything you wanted and when you didn't get what you wanted, you, you threw a temper tantrum or a pity party, Oh, you're going to have a rough several days in the military because there's no, no room for that. And a lot of people, y'all young people, are just hurt by their parents because they give them everything, they spoil them, they won't say no to them, and all of that, and they just become spoiled kids who become people that are hard to live with. And so if you have children at home, make sure you don't spoil them in that way and, uh, because uh, that, that won't be good for them at all. And it surely won't be when they get to the service. What, what, what's the service doing when they send you through that basic training? They're laying the groundwork for a future soldier. But what about God's soldiers? That's what we're talking about today. What about God's soldiers? Well, they also have groundwork that needs to be done. The difference is no drill sergeant or boot camp will be used. They're not needed because God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And what is that groundwork? Well, it'll start with the presentation of the Word of God. When God saves an individual, the first thing that happens is they hear the Word of God. And they must hear the gospel. That's why the Lord says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. People must hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, then the next thing happens is repentance. If they're going to come to know Jesus, they're going to have to come to repentance. And repentance is a change of mind. 
Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Repentance is a change of mind, I believe, about yourself and also a change of mind about God. About yourself, you have to come to the place where you say, I am a sinner. Some people have a hard time coming to that place. I am a sinner. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. I'm a hell-deserving sinner. You must come to that place. And you won't come to that place unless God takes his word that's been presented to you and then uses that word and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and he brings you under conviction and the end of that conviction you come to the place where you cry out to God and say, God, I agree with you, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. My sin's so bad that it that put Jesus on the cross of Calvary. That's how bad I am. He had to die for me in order for me to say there had to be repentance about yourself. You come to the place where you realize you're no good. You're a sinner. And then you come to the realization that you have to change your mind about God. You know, most people, before they get saved, they have this thought in their mind that I'm not so bad. If I were to die, God's going to look at me and say, you're better than some people, so I'm going to let you go come into heaven. And they have this idea that God is some Santa Claus or something, you know, and he's just going to bypass things and he'd give you a gift anyway. And uh, they have that idea about God. But that's not true. God is holy. And God demands that sin be paid for. And you either accept what he did in paying it for you or you're going to pay for it yourself. And when you truly get saved, you come to the place of repentance, of change of mind about yourself and about God, and you realize that God is a holy God. And only one way you can ever get to heaven, and that's, is that through what, through what he did for you, not what you do for him. And then you believe the gospel. You believe the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You believe Jesus paid for your sins on the cross of Calvary. He died for you. He paid everything that you owe. He, he took your punishment for your sin. He died for you on the cross. He was buried. And then he rose again the third day as proof that it was all paid for. And you believe that. And you put your trust in that. And you call out to the Lord to save you. And what happens when you do that? Transformation. You see, when you go to boot camp, one thing they have in mind for you is transformation. I remember the time that we took our, uh, our son, uh, our son Jason went to the Air Force. And uh, he went off to basic training. And I had this idea in mind that when he got back at the airport, that we're going to welcome him as a family. And the kids didn't want to do it, and they balked against it. Oh, Dad, we have to do that. And I said, yes, we're going to do it. And we made up this big sign, and it was long. There was about six of us, I guess, at that time. Is that right, honey? About six of us, seven of us, something. So it said, welcome home, Jason, something like that. And we were all lined up there as he came down off that plane, you know, and welcome home, Jason. And... Uh, Kids didn't really want to hold those up, but they did. And Jason came down the, to us, and I was disappointed because I thought I'd get, we'd get this big smile and so glad. But Jason explained it later. He said, Dad, I, I just had such mixed emotions, and I'd just been through such, such all this training and everything, and, and it just broke me down. I didn't know how to respond. <laughs> and uh, what happened? They transformed him. They changed him in lots of ways, and that's what the Lord does for you. When he saves you, guess what? There's, a ground, there's groundwork that had to be done. 
You had to hear the gospel. You had to repent and believe the gospel, and the Lord would change you and make you a brand new creature. You know, there are a lot of people who claim to be a soldier of Jesus Christ who've never had that groundwork done. They've never really truly come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And that must be done. Believe the gospel, and the Bible says he'll make you a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. God's groundwork has been done to make you his soldier. But then the next thing is that the garb of a soldier uh, is the garb of a soldier who pleases God. So the groundwork and then the garb. The garb of a soldier who pleases God is, first of all, he has the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to his account. When you get saved, God takes away your sin and he clothes you in his righteousness. The Bible says that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. We'll not take the time to look it up. But it says that, that we're actually clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, it says, We believe and, and his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 4, 13, the righteousness of, of faith. So we have the righteousness of God applied to our account. We're clothed in his righteousness. That's the uniform he puts on us as a soldier. We're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then he has some more clothing to put on us. And that is, and we're going to fight against the devil, the Lord says, that we're to put on the whole armor of God. And we're told that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, verse 10 says, in the power of his might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil's out to get you. You need his armor. And so the soldier, when he goes out to battle, you know, he has, he has the uh, clothing he needs, and he has the backpack that he needs, and he has the weapon that he needs, and all those things that he needs. Uh, he's ready for battle. So the Lord says, we go out to battle for the Lord, and we need to be ready for battle. We've also already got the, the, breast, the uh, clothing of his righteousness, but on that we put, he says, uh, different pieces of the armor. And verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have a battle we're going to fight. So, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. So a soldier must be clothed in the armor of God. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So you tell the truth. You ever known people that they just lie all the time? Well, that's a bad way to, to live. You're all the time trying to cover up the last lie. But the Lord says believers are to be people of truth. And we're to be gird. And he says gird about with truth. That's telling the truth, uh, living by the truth, and knowing the truth, which is the word of God. And then he says having on the breastplate of righteousness. That's uh, righteousness, doing right things. Do things right, the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means always have ready the gospel at your, on, on your lips. Be able to speak the gospel to people. Tell them how they can be saved. You're a soldier. You represent Jesus Christ. You're fighting against the world and the devil. But uh, these people you're talking to, they need to know the gospel. And so you tell them the gospel. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith. You're going to have fiery darts thrown at you by the devil. He's going to try to do you in, so you have to believe him. 
Believe him when the devil tries to deceive you and tell you a lie and tell you, oh, this will be fun. Why don't you do this? Everybody else is doing it. You'd say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God and the shield of faith whereby you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And then take the helmet of salvation. You need to know that you're saved and have scripture to prove it. You know, I know I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. And have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. You need to be able to use the Word of God when you talk to people. And so we need the Word of God. So all these things are needed. And then he finally says, the praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto all, for, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we pray for other soldiers. So I have all this armor on you, and then you're praying. Praying for the Lord's help. You're praying for other soldiers that are with you in the battle. That's other Christians. And now we've been, had the proper groundwork. We've been saved, and we have the proper garb. We have, have the dress of the soldier for Jesus Christ. And then I want to speak to you about the grind. The grind of the soldier who pleases Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says... Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to be a Christian. I walked in the house the other night, or I think it was last night, and another one was watching a movie. I don't know what it was. But it had a clip in there of Billy Graham preaching. And this lady was listening to Billy Graham preaching. And it was in Billy Graham's younger days. And Billy Graham was telling you, when you get saved, you might have more problems than you've ever had. <laughs> Why is that? Well, you're fighting against the devil now. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's true. When you get saved, uh, things will get hard sometimes. There'll be hardness. So endure hardness as a good soldier. And so the Lord wants us to endure, endure the hardness. Now, let me give you some things about the hardness. First of all, our environment makes it hard. The world is the world is, is where we live. We live in the world. We're not in heaven yet. We're living in the world. And most people out there are not saved. Most people, it's sad to say, but most people are going to hell. You could even say this, as I heard a preacher say many years ago, almost everybody's going to hell. Sad thing, but it's true. Few there be that find that narrow way and trust Jesus as their Savior. So we live in a, a world that's no friend of grace. And so the grind is because of our environment. Our, our environment makes it hard. And then the, then the affairs of this life, verse, two, uh, verse 4 of chapter 2 Timothy 2 says that we don't become entangled with the affairs of this life. What's that mean? Well, everybody has the affairs of life, not speaking of the immoral way, but just the, the, the affairs of life, things you need to do, and responsibilities of life. And so many times those responsibilities of life can entangle you so that you don't serve the Lord. And that's what the devil likes to do. He knows things you need to do and things you have to do. And, and he'll make those come so that uh, you, you say, oh, I don't have time to go to church. Or I've got to work so I can uh, pay this bill. I can't go to church. And so you, the affairs of life tangle you. Or you get so strapped with debt that you can't give to the Lord. And the affairs of life entangled you. And so that makes it hard. Uh, the environment around us makes it hard. But God says you trust the Lord and serve him in the midst of that environment. Our ego also makes it hard. 
our flesh, our sin nature, our self, makes it hard to trust the Lord and serve Him. Self gets in the way of service. And we have to satisfy ourselves. You know, I don't feel like it. Or I just don't feel very good today. And, or, uh, no, I just don't want to do it. I'm just too tired. And, and, and self can get in the way. Or I've got so many bills I can't give to the Lord. And, and what made those bills? Satisfying self is what usually does it. So self gets in the way. And so our ego makes it hard. So the environment makes it hard, the world we live in, the affairs of this life. Our ego makes it hard. And then our enemy makes it hard. Who is our enemy? He's the devil. I mean, he's the strongest one out there other than the Lord Jesus Christ and his angels, the Lord's angels. He's a strong foe. And he walks about seeking whom he may devour. And he's a deceiver and he's a liar. And he makes it hard for you to live for the Lord. But Jesus endured hardness for us. We should be willing to endure hardness for him and live for him. And I can do it as a Christian. I can be obedient. I can be a good soldier. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So with the proper groundwork and the proper garb, we can endure the grind. But then I'd like to close this morning by talking about the goal of a soldier who pleases Jesus. What's the goal of a soldier who pleases Jesus? In our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it emphasizes obedience. We need to obey the Lord. So what's our goal as a soldier? Obey the orders. Obey the Lord. The Lord says, don't do this, we don't do it. The Lord says, do this, we do it. And so obey the Lord and what he tells you to do. As a good soldier, you have to do that. So if you're going to be a soldier that pleases the Lord, you have to obey the commands. It's also our goal to be a good soldier. Just not only an obedient soldier, but a good soldier. And I think that involves attitude because we do it for the right purpose because we love the Lord and we want to serve the Lord and we endure, good, good, we endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, our goal of a soldier, the goal of a soldier is, who pleases the Lord is to have that goal himself, that is to please the Lord. You'll never please the Lord unless you want to please the Lord. We'll never have that accomplishment to please the Lord unless it's been our desire to please the Lord. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says that we are to please the Lord. We might, might please him who have chosen us to be the soldier. So if we want to hear the Lord say, as he did in Matthew 25, verse 21, you remember that passage? He said to that man, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Someday we'll go to heaven and we'll be, we'll be made a vet in the Lord's service. No longer fighting these battles, we're a vet. We don't need to be a soldier up there. We're a vet. But when we get there, if we hear the Lord say, well done, then it's, gonna, it's only going to come if we've had the desire down here and the goal down here is to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ and to please him who had chosen us to be a soldier. I'd like to close with this. There's a question all of us need to ask ourselves. 
2 Corinthians, the Lord says, examine yourselves to see where you would be in the faith. We need to examine ourselves. You have to ask yourself, I claim to be a soldier, but has there ever been that groundwork? <laughs> has the Lord ever brought me to a place of conviction so I repented and I truly trusted Jesus as my Savior? Has there been that groundwork? You'll never be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ unless you've truly been born again. And so the Lord wants us to ask that question. Has the groundwork been done in your life so that you become a soldier? And then if you are a soldier, if the groundwork has been done as, as a soldier and you know that you're saved, I ask you, have you been putting on the whole armor of God? Has your goal been to please the one who chose you to be a soldier? Not to please the pastor or the church or your relatives, but to please Jesus. And if God wants, if we want to please the Lord, then we must have that goal or it'll never happen. You'll never come to the end and hear the Lord say, well done, if in this life you didn't have the desire and you worked to make sure that he said, well done. It'll never be said well done to a person who's been a bad mediocre soldier. We must be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, some in our midst today are vets in the military-speaking way, and, you know, as far as service to our country. But all of us are soldiers. And if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're his soldier. And so I just hope that we can all say we're good soldiers. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to see that there is a battle in this, in this life. There's a war in this life. Conflicts and battles make war. And Lord, we are in the midst of a war. And the devil's out to get us, young and old alike. He's out to destroy us. He's out to put us on the sideline, make us think we can't do anything for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that every Christian here will determine, may there be their goal, that they're going to say no to the world, no to the flesh, no to the devil, and they're going to live for Jesus. It might be rough because it is enduring hardness, but, Lord, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus and hear him say, well done. May that be true of all of us, we ask in Jesus' name.